Saturdays are for sunshine, especially for your ears. With another election, ongoing wars, and natural disasters, we know the news can be a lot to take in. And we're determined to share the bright side of humanity. Every Saturday, take a breather from the headlines and hear all the uplifting happenings across the world with Five Good Things, a new weekend edition of CNN Five Things. That means you can find this goodness in the same feed as Five Things. Listen to Five Good Things on the iHeartRadio app. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. Okay, everybody, the Weekside Podcast is back alongside Jenny Brentis. I'm Connor Orr. We are coming to you on uh, Monday, uh, recording this on Monday around 2 p.m. And as it stands right now, I mean, this is what we're looking at right at this very moment, that it doesn't seem like there's going to be a whole lot of college football this season. And so um, we're going to talk about the NFL season. Uh, Our season preview issue uh, is going to hit newsstands tomorrow. Um, as it stands right now with uh, a lovely story by Jenny Vrentis on the cover, which is very excited. Uh, very excited to talk to her about that in a little bit. But um, let's just first acknowledge the weirdness of the fact that we have no idea what's going to happen. The impact that this is going to have on the NFL season on, you know, they're not going to have spring college football. Uh, you know, we've seen evaluators already saying that this combine is going to be monumental because you know there might be a a ton of kids without any tape uh, that you're going to get to look at transfers who's leaving early i mean this is going to be um i think uh chaos sort of hitting the funnel right now and everything's about to explode yeah it seemed like the decisions 
from UConn and then the MAC conference were kind of the first two moves that really got the ball rolling for the Power Five conferences to reconsider the season. And everything really came to a head on Sunday night. Um, you had indications that there would be no football season, that conferences were meeting to discuss this issue. And then you had players saying they, they wanted to be able to play, but also would hope to unionize, which is another significant development. So it's been a pretty chaotic 24 hours for college football. And so then the NFL is kind of moving ahead as scheduled. Um, Things came to a head, I think, sooner for college football for a lot of reasons. You know, we've had uh, players um, uh, who have had, you know, issues after testing positive for COVID. We've had entire teams that had to be quarantined. The NFL right now is in this training camp kind of lockdown type mode. It's, It's not a bubble, obviously. Players are going to and from, but kind of the normal constraints of training camp. And so we don't really know yet uh, if it will work for the NFL. Obviously, they are in a better position than college football because players are represented by a union. That is the big difference here where working conditions and everything that goes with returning to work in a pandemic had been hashed out ahead of time. And there were clearer protocols in place across the board. Um, So we still don't know if it's going to work for the NFL, but they are certainly in a better spot right now than college football. Yeah, I thought um, our teammate Ross Dellinger did a good job of illustrating one of the main issues, which was, you know, there there were doctors on these conference calls with the heads of all the power conferences and saying, you know, there are studies that are coming back from Germany that even 60% or 70% of the people who get the coronavirus and then are asymptomatic and move on still have heart issues, you know, and that impacts athletes significantly. Um, You know, I mean, if the speed at which your heart beats or the size of your heart or whatever's going on there, I mean, that significantly impacts someone who does an aerobic sport, right. And who has to worry about, um, you know, uh, all their conditioning and all that kind of stuff and, and how the heart's pumping and all that kind of stuff. And so, I, I, it blows my mind that it, it, we've gotten this far already down the down the road with the NFL, where and and everyone's just kind of looking over at college football now and saying, "Jesus, this is going to be us." Um, mm-hmm. And it's hard not to think that it will be, right? I mean, the NBA season's kind of plodding along. I mean, there's some little signs of positivity here and there. Major League Baseball seems to be, you know, stumbling and then recovering, stumbling and then recovering, but. I mean, are we really going to have uh, such a better idea about this in three or four weeks than we do now? I, I, I really don't know. Yeah, and what you raise is such an important point that we don't have all of the answers on the long-term impacts of COVID, and that's why it was so silly earlier this offseason to hear people discussing, like, hey, it's a competitive advantage if athletes get it now. They don't have to worry about getting it in the fall when, first of all, we don't even know how long – that you would have immunity from getting the virus. And then secondly, we don't know the long-term impacts on the body. And as you mentioned, the research coming back has indicated that for some people, it can be severe and long-lasting. And we know it impacts the circulatory system, has neurological impacts. So those are very serious things beyond just a, a simple virus that you get over. So um, it was never a binary thing where you either have a you know, a fatal outcome or a mild case. There's a lot of outcomes in between. And I think for college athletes, especially who are, 
18 to 22 years old who are not getting paid, who are not professional athletes making this decision, um, who also have school to deal with. There just are a lot more considerations at play. And um, I think once you had conferences saying we're, we're stopping play because we don't believe that it's safe, then it really put the pressure on the other conferences, I think, to say, well, you know, we can't make the claim that it's safe if other conferences are saying it's not. Yeah, there's a huge divide, I think, um, and good for the college players for standing up and good for them recognizing the power of, you know, union leadership and, and what that can do for you. Um, and, and hopefully there's some movement made on that front. But it's it's so funny just like how we've learned to justify our wallets and not the other way around, you know, and it's so crazy to, to look at all the pundits out there today. Um, saying, oh, well, this is ridiculous and these kids want to play. I don't know if a lot of them want to play. Like, you know, mm -hmm. I think a lot of them are scared uh, and they're scared for a good reason. You know, I'm scared. You're, you know, I, I don't want to speak for you, but I think that we're all a little genuinely freaked out about this thing still. Yeah, it's August and yeah, we've been living with it. And yeah, we've gone to a few outdoor dinners or, you know, uh, walks in the park or whatever, but that still doesn't mean that this doesn't freak us out. And I think it especially should freak out young, healthy kids who don't know how this is going to affect them. And it's just like, I know we've said this a million times on the show, but it's like, God, if we could have just paused for a year and acknowledged that this was going to happen, you know, and just said, let's just give ourselves a chance to get back in 2021 and we'll take the hit. And, you know, we'll just say that, Hey, 2020 was a crappy year and there's nothing we can do about it. But Instead, we're just, it's just constant fighting. And I don't think it makes anything healthier or better or easier. Yeah. Um, I think it's interesting how so many things have come into focus. And obviously, the unionization thing was something that was broached by the Northwestern team a few years back and didn't go anywhere, but it's such an important issue. And this really puts it into perspective that, you know, if players do want to play, they wanted to do so by having the best chance to have all the best protocols in place and have a say in what those protocols are and they didn't have that so it seems like it was just an impossibility to move forward without them having a voice and getting to a place where they were uh, uh, you know had a role in creating what the season would look like so that's where the NFL has you know an advantage is that both sides work together and they got to a place where the players who chose to go forward with the season you know, felt some comfort level, but you can't really know fully. I mean, that's why I think the opt-out deadline is is kind of a tough one because it's like you, you have to say yes by early August and you don't actually know how things are going to unfold the rest of camp. Um, you're kind of basing it off a very limited set of like, okay, well, it seemed okay for a few days, but we don't know what it's going to be like when there's potentially travel for games or when there's tackling, they haven't even had practice yet, you know? Yeah. So um, I think like you said, Connor, um, maybe players want to play, but maybe they also don't have all the information. And I don't know that anyone making a decision to play can feel a hundred percent confident about how things are going to be. No, I, I totally agree. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is gonna be good. 
That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features like the panoramic moon roof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds, it was shocking. I have to know. What were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billy's vocals. It was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like, da, 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. One thing, though, that I'm 100% confident in is that the story we're going to talk about next is a banger. I'm very excited. Jenny Vrent is writing about Lamar Jackson. It's like I think back to um, you and I um, in that uh, playoff press box in Baltimore when they lost to the Chargers two years ago. And everybody was saying, you know, put Joe Flacco back in. This kid doesn't have it. But there was some of these late theatrics, and he got them back into the game. And to me, that was sort of the the birth of, of Lamar Jackson and what we ended up seeing. And I thought you took a really cool angle to it that, you know, so many times along the way in his career, he's been pressured to change positions. Um, you know, we heard the idiocy um, during the pre-draft cycle about how he should be a wide receiver. And now he's voted by his peers as the best player in football. And that has a huge trickle down effect on on a younger generation of football fans that are watching that. Right. Yeah. You know, in less than two years, he basically flipped this on its head, right? The stigma of being dual threat. Well, that used to really just mean that you were a running 
quarterback. And Lamar Jackson made it so that it means both. He's equally inclined to run as he is to pass, and he's confident in his abilities to do both, so much so that his teammates say he never forced himself to do one or the other. He didn't go out there saying like, hey, I need to show that I can be a pocket passer. Obviously, he made the jokes about not bad for a running back, and that's clearly something that fuels him, but not to the degree that he cared more about proving that he could pass the ball instead of getting the first down or getting the most yards on any given play. Um, And so I think the confidence with which he plays the position and also the resolve that he's shown through his football career, including with the support of his mother, have really inspired a generation of young athletes. And so I ended up talking to a handful of kids who play football in South Florida. Um, Lamar Jackson grew up training at McNair Park in Pompano Beach, and his quarterbacks coach there, Van Warren, or he he was a youth coach who, who specialized in quarterbacks. And he as Van puts it, he didn't particularly have any expertise, but he taught himself because he was sick of seeing his good athletes be moved to other positions and told they couldn't play quarterback when they moved up the ranks. So he taught himself and learned quarterback mechanics and taught, started teaching quarterbacks so that no one could use that as an excuse to move them. And so he, he worked with Lamar Jackson. They had this Sunday afternoon ritual of going to McNair Park. It was Van Warren. It was Felicia Jones, Lamar's mother. They would train him. And when Lamar Jackson graduated from high school, Van thought it was over. And Felicia said, no, we've, if we proved we did it with Lamar, we can do it with other kids. So they've continued these Sunday sessions at McNair Park. Um, they are for all positions, but also quarterbacks, and Lamar will come back and visit. And so there's some kids there who admire Lamar because they play at the same park that he did. There's also other kids that are connected to him in other ways through his uh, throwing coach, Joshua Harris. Um, his son is a quarterback. There's other players that he knows through um, through the football circles. And there's basically a lot of young athletes who might have been moved to other positions, whose coaches have tried to move them to other positions, and who have said, no, I this is the position that I play. I want to play quarterback like Lamar Jackson. I mean, I spoke to, to one young kid, um, Nehemiah Howard, and he was inspired to try playing quarterback when he first saw that clip of Lamar Jackson hurtling a Syracuse defender during his Heisman season. <laughs> and he thought, I can do that. He played quarterback Um now, he went to Junior Olympics one summer, competed in the 100-meter dash. He's a really fast young kid, one of the fastest kids in the country in his age group. And when he came back, the coach decided, oh, let's put him at wide receiver because he's so fast. So his dad's his dad said, you know what? Let's switch teams. He can play somewhere else. He now wears number eight for, uh, coincidentally, awesome. a youth team that's, that's named the Ravens. Um, so that's kind of how Lamar has inspired kids. Um, And, you know, his mother also talks to parents in the area about if you believe in your child, don't let them lose confidence, support them in their dream. You know, even if that means talking to coaches, even if that means switching teams, like you have to support your son's dream. Like, don't let that dream die and be an active participant in saying, you know what, and he can be a quarterback. And I think the fact that it was successful for Lamar has given confidence to kids and their parents. 
And she was Lamar Jackson's mother was demonized throughout the draft process, mm-hmm. and you know, sort of this, uh, you know, smother mother, whatever you want to call it, you know, helicopter parent, whatever you want to say it. But I, I think it's just it, it's indicative of how we tend to assign, you know, different tropes or whatever it is or biases to to different people when you know every single one of the quarterbacks in the NFL who does not look like Lamar Jackson, their parents were pushing people around at the youth level. Do you think that, you know, Jared Goff got to where he is or, you know, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not, you know, picking on one person in particular. I don't know this for sure, but do you think that all of these quarterbacks that grew up and went to these elite high schools and had all this training, had parents that just sat idly by and were like, well, it's great. Yeah. You can put Matt, little Matt, Matty Stafford at running back too, if you want. No, of course not. I mean, they all had these parents and, and so I think it's refreshing to see Lamar's mom in, in a different light and in, in the light that I think that she deserves to be seen. I mean, she made this happen. There was a resilience there, especially then people at every turn were saying, no, you're wrong. He needs to go somewhere else. A hundred percent, Connor. You don't see the same kind of pushback for, say, Archie Manning and the way he's orchestrated his children's careers. It's a great I mean, example. Eli Danny. didn't play for the team, right? I mean, Eli picked which team he played for, right? So, I mean, here you have a mother who thought that her child's dream, which he was right about. They were right. He is a quarterback. He can play quarterback. He challenged the perceptions of quarterback at every level of football. But that's a good thing, right? I mean, we've seen this exciting, thrilling outcome, this redefinition of the quarterback position because of his dream and because of the support of his dream. And it's not just about him. Yes, of course, she wanted to support her child. But I think it's really cool that they've left this legacy at McNair Park. You know, Lamar and Felicia are there less now. I mean, when he went to Louisville, they, she and Van Warren kept this the Sunday afternoon tradition going. Um, and, you know, now she, she lives with Lamar during the season. She obviously plays an active role in managing his career. Um, so she's there a little bit less, but they visit frequently in the off season. Um, if she's there and he's not, she'll sometimes put him on FaceTime um, at that park in the youth league. Their Heisman trophy is like the Lamar Jackson trophy and the street is named the Lamar Jackson way. And, you know, I think it's a lot of quarterbacks have a, uh, relationship where the community where they grew up in but I think this one is really special and it's really different because I think that there are a lot of hurdles for black athletes to play the quarterback position and that's always been the case we've missed out on so many black quarterbacks through the years they were moved to other positions you know covering the NFL Connor we all know a position coach or who is you know was made a running back or a DB or something else. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we've all been there at practice. I mean, covering the Jets, we saw it with like Anthony Lynn and Dennis Thurman. They would throw the football. And I remember asking them like, man, you have a great arm. But when they were growing up, they didn't have that option to play quarterback. They were moved to either running back or defensive back. And they both had a lot of success there. But it just makes you think about all of the quarterbacks we missed along the way. So I think it's what's unusual is just this – gift that Lamar is giving to younger generations. Um, And, you know, I I think the redefinition that he's having really will have ripple effects. Um, Obviously, we have seen a shift in the quarterback mold during the years, but I think Lamar did it in a really exciting way. And he was unanimous MVP. I mean, 
on draft night when he was waiting in the green room, I don't think anyone would have said that in a second season he would be unanimous MVP. But Lamar would have said it, and his mom would have said it, and all the people surrounding him. And the Ravens, to their credit, you know, listen, they passed him up, right? They didn't, they, they traded down the first round, picked a tight end that they then traded away, but then they traded back into the first <laughs> round. They got him. And as you mentioned, Connor, that that playoff game in his first year, that was a loss. And obviously the playoff early round loss is a hurdle that he'll have to get over in his career and he's committed to getting over. But that moment was really important because it was John Harbaugh saying, like, I'm committed to this guy and he's our guy for the future. We're not going to go back to Joe Flacco. We're going to grow with him. He's going to be the centerpiece of our offense. We're going to build a new offensive scheme, unlike anything the NFL has seen around Lamar Jackson. And we also believe that the skills he has are not the ceiling, that he will get more accurate as a passer. How many times have you heard people say a quarterback can't get more accurate? Mm -hmm. It's it's this this lazy coaching trope. Well, he got more accurate as a passer, right? And so I think that they really challenged um, a lot of those norms from a coaching perspective as well. And so I think Harbaugh deserves a lot of credit for that. Joe Burrow, uh, I think his completion percentage went up almost 30 points in, uh, between his junior and senior year. So, yes, you can get more accurate. And a lot of that starts with the coaches who are saying that we can't make them more accurate, believe it or not. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, j- just I think one final point on this that I think is amazing um, is that, you know, we talked about um, Dennis Thurman, Anthony Lynn, some of the um, black coaches that we knew when we were covering the Jets and, and others that we've gotten to know along the way. Uh, more black quarterbacks means, you know, hopefully, eventually, more black offensive coaches in the pipeline, right? I mean, mm-hmm. that's a good thing. And, you mm-hmm. know, we how many times now, if you look at every staff, the quarterback guru or the rising uh, young star is – typically like a quarterback that kind of bottomed out in the NFL at some point at a young age, but was seen as studious enough to latch on as a coordinator or something like that. I mean, we're setting ourselves up for a near future, hopefully where the pipeline can be replenished by other quarterbacks who have had different experiences. You know, I mean, it's just outrageous that it hasn't happened to this point, but fewer kids who have to change positions mean more black quarterbacks and more black quarterbacks mean more black coaches. And I think that that's a good thing for the NFL in the long run and something that they've been trying to, I don't know if they've been trying to fix for that long, but at least are starting to pay attention to and realize that it's a huge problem. Yeah. And I think that's a great point too, Connor, because obviously Lamar Jackson is this unique talent. It's not like a Lamar Jackson is going to come along every year. So every quarterback that shares his dream that's coming up in his footsteps in South Florida or anywhere else in the country is not going to have the same success that Lamar Jackson has had. However, they they can have whatever success they pursue or whatever success you know, they were able to achieve. And that doesn't necessarily mean being the MVP in the second NFL season. Maybe they can go to college. Um, You know, one of the goals of Felicia was to help kids get college scholarships and be on a path to do so. Maybe they play football in college. Maybe they go into coaching, right? There's a lot of other ways to contribute. But I think you're exactly right. When we open these doors, you know, it's, it's not just about being the MVP. It's about being a quarterback coach or just changing these perceptions that have been there for so long. And so I think there's a a wider impact than just like one generational talent like Lamar Jackson is. For sure. Well, I mean, if, if that didn't sell it, because I'm telling you, there's 
more good stuff in there. So go buy the magazine. It comes out if, if you if you have a safe way of doing so or if you have a safe way of doing so. Um, yeah, you know, exactly. Maybe you'll you see it. It's going to look great. Out Wegmans or something, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Or wherever magazines buy, are sold. Yeah, wherever they're sold. So and while you're there, while you open the magazine or if you go online, Connor's story is already online. Um, you will can see Connor Orr's byline, and he's got a great piece on what Joe Montana's experience with the Kansas City Chiefs in the early 90s can tell us about Tom Brady's experience. And you open the story with a really great anecdote that made me laugh out loud, Connor. Why don't you start there? <laughs> well, it's been my lifelong dream. To, I've already gotten the word salvia into Sports Illustrated and now fart. So um, <laughs> some really proud moments from my parents there for sure um, and all my teachers. But uh, yeah, so the first offensive meeting that uh, Joe Montana went to as a member of the Chiefs, like this was a long, drawn out process. It was covered vigorously in the media. Um, you know, the Chiefs were battling the Cardinals for the right to sign Montana. It was very Peyton Manning-esque in the recruitment. Um, and there was all these rumors about where he was going to go and what he was going to do. And so they finally land him. And, you know, Marty Schottenheimer has opened up his mind and he says, okay, I'm going to throw the ball and I'm, I'm done being so stri strict as a, as a running guy. I'm going to pass. We're going to get the best quarterback that we can find. Um, and so they bring Montana in. There's a ton of excitement. They go to start the meeting and the place just reeks. Um, and, you know, everyone's looking around being like, what's going on? Um, and it gets so bad that they have to literally evacuate the room. So, like, imagine the worst fart you've ever smelled. Um times a million uh that filled up an auditorium and uh they had to leave and so you know the all along everyone's kind of looking around saying well, what the heck that was weird and you know people slowly start to realize that it was joe montana he brought a stink bomb into the facility <laughs> and lit it off on his first day to be like hey you know i am one of you um i am not above or beyond anybody else although i would imagine somebody else would have gotten cut for doing something like that but it was the, the story is kind of about this herculean effort that he went through to to not stand out you know to to say mm -hmm. that i am no more important than you and a lot of his former teammates said you know we think a lot about that when we heard about the tom brady news it's like yeah this guy's a great quarterback and he's got a legendary work ethic there's no doubt but like it's these little things that you can do um that make you a part of the team and not every superstar does that particularly well i mean you look at michael jordan did he do that particularly well in washington i don't think so you know and there are other guys that don't translate as well to that second team when you've already had that transcendent status mm -hmm. and the chiefs were good those two years i mean it wasn't it's not something that we think about a lot because it wasn't like they won a super bowl those years but they were good yeah i mean they had good teams and you know it's funny because you know one of the players told me that you know joe montana is famous for um the line in the Super Bowl where it's like, hey, did, did you see John Candy over there? And his whole thing was, you know, making him seem calm in these chaotic situations and it calmed everybody else down. And he would do that routinely um, in Kansas City. You know, he would go into the huddle and 
he would say like, Hey, you get a load of this person in the stands or, you know, you see what this person's wearing, whatever. Um, and he would carry that with him. And the players said that they had never experienced something like that in their lives where, you know, someone just instantly made everybody feel so calm. And he would say things like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to win this game. So just give me, you know, two or three seconds in the pocket and we'll figure this out. This is what I do. And so, you know, I think that in that way, he was that Joe cool guy that they always expected. But then after the games, he's, he's taking you out to dinner. You know, he would take a different mm-hmm. position group out every night of the week after wins. And so he would divvy it up Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And he was always out with these guys. You know, he was always present. And I think that that went a long way, you know, and then it, it fostered that mutual care. You know, he took the blame for every missed snap. And his center told me that never in his entire life had a quarterback taken blame for a snap. And here's Joe Montana saying, this is my fault. I didn't put my hands in the right place. And all this stuff goes a long way. And so it was interesting to talk to both his teammates and then Tom Brady's former teammates to say, like, hey, how close is this guy to what Joe is? And where is his level of, you know, emotional intelligence? And can he can he respond in a way that Joe Montana responded? Yeah. And one difference in Montana starting over versus Brady starting over was that it was clear that his era was ending, right? Mm -hmm. He was injured. Steve Young was there. Different situation with Brady where, you know, while there was probably uh, an understanding internally that this might be or would be Brady's last year, there wasn't a clear succession plan in place. It wasn't obvious until he announced that he was going elsewhere. So how do you think that difference will play into it? Yeah, so uh, Paul Hackett, who is the offensive coordinator of that team, said that's that's the biggest factor is that Tom had a choice and Joe did not have a choice. As much as Joe wanted to think that he could still be the quarterback of the 49ers, there was a humbling there where you had to recognize that it was time to move on and that you, you'd actually physically been replaced. And I think that that creates a, a different way to handle things emotionally. You are humbled in a way that Tom Brady, I don't think, has ever had to be humbled mm-hmm. um, before. And so it's fascinating to see you know, how he's going to take that um, and spin it forward. You know, um, I talked to Matt Castle for the story and he said that, yeah, I mean, Tom Brady was at the beginning of his career before he reached that superstar status. He was at the outlaw drinking with all the guys, um, which was kind of their biker bar hangout place. Um, he can't do that anymore. Um, I think as, as famous as we think Joe Montana was in the nineties, I think Tom Brady is probably a hundred times that in terms of not being able to go out Um, and enjoy yourself privately um, in a semi-public setting. But at the same time, he's like, you know, if there was a private party, um, if there were, um, you know, a a kid's birthday, you know, anything where the guys were getting together, Tom was there, you know, and yucking it up with everybody and was a totally normal part of that process for him and a very important part of that process for him. So if you're Bruce Arians, I mean, I think that that lends well to the future like you hope Mm -hmm. that he once we are able to gather safely you know that he takes that seriously because I think that you just can't have uh, you can't just bring a quarterback in and have him sitting around and basically be this untouchable entity you know what I mean 
Yeah. I mean, looking back, it's pretty remarkable that it was so seamless for Joe Montana to assimilate into the Kansas City team and the community and everything else after his storied career in San Francisco. Do you think that it will go as seamlessly for Tom Brady? I think one of the interesting things that um, I had heard during the story was that Tom in New England um, would, you know, treat everybody differently, but in a good way. So if Randy Moss made a mistake at practice, you know, he would take them to a very quiet place where nobody else could see them and say, hey, you know, you messed this up. And, you know, this is what we're going to do to fix it. If it was Wes Welker, he would scream at him in front of everybody because he knew that that's how Wes liked to digest information. And I think that those little glimpses of the way that Tom can understand people and read people, you would hope that that bodes well for the future in Tampa, right? I mean, there are stories Mm -hmm. going back to early in his days in Foxborough, you know, after he won his first Super Bowl where, you know, some scrub would see Tom Brady in the urinal. He'd know their name already. He'd know something little about them. And that was something that he took very seriously. Uh, But does he continue to do that now when he really doesn't have to anymore, right? It's not the Patriot way. He can be free of that. He can act however he wants to act. Um, But will he, you know, or is part of the Patriot way that we know it because of what Tom Brady did through those years? So I think it's going to be interesting as sort of a chicken or the egg thing that we're all looking out for. Yeah, no, it was really interesting insight into both Brady and Montana and a lot of good stories that made it a really fun read, Connor. So uh, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. It's a weak side issue of Sports Illustrated. How exciting is that? Yeah, yeah. So yours ran online Monday. Mine was supposed to run online Tuesday. By the time the episode comes out, we will see. Um, Maybe a college football day, understandably so. So, you know, we'll see how it goes with the online. Um, But uh, definitely both will be in the magazine this week. And it's a weird time to talk about season preview. But I think, you know, we both learned something reporting our stories. And hopefully readers find it interesting as well. That's right. You know, we're going to talk season preview now until there is no season to preview. Uh, uh, we've uh, we've we've pounded the table enough to say I don't think there should be a season, and I don't know if there's going to be a season. But now that it seems like there's going to be, uh, we're just going to keep keep on previewing, Jenny. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and in the meantime, we have a lot of vegetable recipes to get us through. Connor, I don't know if you noticed, yes. but several people wrote in with some vegetable recipes that I'm going to sort through and maybe try out. So stay tuned with that. You know how we love our vegetable recipes. If you missed last week, we revealed our plans to open a either a vegetarian or vegan or at least vegetable forward taqueria called root definitely vegetable forward um, (laughs) called root it is our backup plan so we're just collecting recipes and we appreciate reader feedback on vegetables or football or really any other topic so (laughs) as the great chefs say create the restaurant that you would want to eat at and so I envision Jenny and I wary from a long training (laughs) trip stumbling into this vegetarian taco oasis and just having our Phil, you know exactly right that is that would be a go-to for the training camp trip which we normally would be on right now but uh <laughs> we can at least imagine so for hopefully sure. some of these recipes will kind of give us that flair for you know trying new things and what would have been a road trip so that's right well we will be back later this week with more news topics more discussion um and as always thanks for listening to the Weekside podcast 
This podcast is me, Jenny Vrentis, and Connor Orr. We are produced by Shelby Royston. SI's executive producer of podcasts is Scott Brody. Ben Eagle is director of editorial projects and product. Mark Marivic is emeritus executive director of the MMQB. Keep up with our entire lineup of podcasts five days a week by subscribing to the MMQB NFL podcast for free on Apple Podcasts. And while you're there, please do us a favor and leave a rating and review. It really does help other people find the show, which is also available on Spotify, Radio.com, Stitcher, SI.com, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Smart journalism. Fascinating topics. Words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. We are revisiting the public school culture wars. What have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans? We really started the club to get students reading these books. Students have an opinion in this fight, too. How has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents' rights movement? It's not okay what they're doing, and they're being watched. Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish. Streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great conversation. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just 348 With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply.